do you believe humans are evil by nature? No, I definitely do not. And the reason I don't is because it's just proven. If we were all evil in nature, we'd all be dead right now. Somebody would have figured out some, like, this is something, actually, I was listening to uh, The Portal. I'm sure you saw Eric Weinstein's podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love okay, this podcast. Is great. We're going to be great friends after the show. <laughs> but what, what he, what, in one of the episodes, I forgot which one, he was, what, what, the, what the post was doing, it was, he was talking about the opposite effect. This idea of we're too optimistic, like Steven Pinker's work is great and everything, but he's kind of fudging mm-hmm. the numbers to tell us how the world is a lot better than it used to be. But what he's yeah. forgetting to do in his analysis is to focus on this idea that technical un- uh, innovations are also bringing the price down of destructive equipment. So in the same way how in the 1950s, a nuclear bomb used to take a state to make, the cost of that is slowly going down, right? So that in a in hundred years, the cost of you know blowing up 100,000 people could be $100,000, which is really frightening if you think about it. But what I'm driving at, why I believe humans are well-intentioned in general, is because we would have heard of much more. There, just of today, as of today, there's a lot of ways of destroying a lot of people and hurting a lot of lives that I'm actually shocked, and that's what Eric argues, and that we're actually kind of surprised that haven't been done yet. I think the most we got was like suicide bombers, and like maybe like a 9/11 estimate, which is obviously terrible, but that could have been much worse. That could yeah, have been yeah. like a mini nuclear reactor that could have killed like 10 grand or 10 people, 10K people. I mean, so that's why I'm a big fervent believer that most human beings are good, but not, but don't have the right direction. That's why I believe it's my mission to give them direction to a certain degree yeah. anyways. Yeah. And since this is the second podcast, I'll, it's not as interviewy, so I'll interject with some stuff. But it's like, do you know like how many times we've been close to like nuclear annihilation and it's just like someone along the pathway of the buttons getting pushed was like i don't think we should do this and so i watched that yeah. episode too yes yeah, crazy <laughs> so i mean it's like yeah obviously like if if everyone was evil we just we'd be dead by now so because it's become way too easy to kill everyone so <laughs> yeah. and, and just to add more layer of thinking for the people listening to us right now the reason why we tend to focus on the evil is because that's just human nature we focus on the one or two bad seeds in the pool of a hundred people so people don't see brendan in the media because brendan's just doing good things that's boring we're going to focus <laughs> on the guy who's trying to destroy public speaking he's trying to blow up schools or, so, or something nonsense mm-hmm. right versus the guy who's trying to fix the system so so right. Well, I mean, I guess in a in a way you could say that Donald Trump is like destroying public speaking. <laughs> uh, one thing I could say, Donald Trump is profitable for a lot of the news and media. That's for oh, sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. Where was I? <laughs> what do you think humanity is heading towards in the future? So this is one of my character flaws, but I think it's the only way of living life, in my opinion. Is I I'm a I'm a diehard optimist. Like, I'm like the brown Simon Sinek, right? Like, I just believe that we... Because what other option do we have? Like, what's the point of being a pessimist anyways? Like, we would all just live pretty useless lives. And if we don't live to see another day, well, then what was the point of this human experience anyways? So I choose to believe in the good of humanity. Do I think everyone is great? Do I trust everyone? Absolutely not. Like, I only have eight friends. But do I think most people would do the right thing if being asked or put in a situation where they do need to do the right thing? I think in general they will, right? So uh, that's my take. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I was I was actually talking to my wife about this uh, the other day that like 
I kind of logicked my way out of pessimism that it's like this, this just won't work. And so like, I, I, I had to rely on optimism because like, or else I'm just going to make my life suck. So <laughs> plus, plus optimism made my life so much better. I went from a kid who had no money and nothing. Now I retired. My mom made pretty good money for myself and I live in a basement. Life is great. I'm pretty happy. Yeah. So. There you go. It's every 24-year-old's dream. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> what are you optimistic about for our future? Right. I think the thing I'm optimistic about the most is this idea that the world is becoming more fair. So what I mean by that is in th- if we were having this conversation 30 years ago or even 40 years ago, none of us would even exist. Like I would be at best a senior-level executive or I would have gotten discriminated on my race or gender, whatever, not gender, but race or ethnicity. And I might not have climbed the ladder as fast, but something that definitely wouldn't have happened is I wouldn't have been able to build master talk. I wouldn't have been able to just stand up and just create whatever I wanted because I needed to go mm-hmm. through a bunch of gatekeepers. And if all of those gatekeepers said no, well, then Brendan doesn't exist. But I think that's why I love Gary Vee so much. I'm just a huge diehard fan. People like mm-hmm. him wouldn't exist if this was 30 years ago because no gatekeeper would have let him through. But because now we live in a world, not always, but you know, more and more fair, I mean, relatively mm-hmm. speaking, where, hey, if you're the best at what you do, you have, you have an opportunity to monetize that. You have an opportunity to share your voice. And I think that's so powerful. Right, and it gives me so much optimism in the sense, and it also gives me a nice ego boost when I look at all my competitors in the space specifically, and I kind of say, "You guys are all going down. Like I'm going to beat you all because I was better. Yeah. Not because I cheated, <laughs> not because I did some wookie thing, not because mm-hmm. I side played them, but because I beat them fair and square." And this world that we live in gives me the opportunity to do this. So that's one side. The other side that I'm optimistic about is when we're all able to think more tangibly about how to solve problems. So I'll give an example. A lot of people say dumb things that we haven't talked about, actually. Uh, I hate passions. I think they're useless. Uh, I think a better (laughs) way of thinking about life and the world is by asking yourself two questions. One, what does the world need you to do most right now and why? So that way you're always focused on what you need to do, making a decision. The other thing that's more fascinating that no one has actually asked ever in a public setting is what is the world's easiest problem to solve? If we all asked that question, we'd be solving problems every single day. It's like that, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, that UN, that 17 uh, development goals, there's like a bunch of them, like water, mm-hmm. uh, poverty, all that stuff. Everyone mm-hmm. looks at that thing and they always say the same thing. Out of these 17 things, what am I most passionate to solve? That's so useless. Right? We're trying to raise the human standard of living. Look at all those 17 and ask you, which one's the easiest one to kill? Mm-hmm. I think the answer is water. But I'd love to be debated on that by somebody. Mm-hmm. But the, I think it's that frame of thinking. If everyone just embodied that, that just excites the crap out of me. And I plan on having those conversations after Master Talk kind of takes off. Yeah, definitely. What makes you content? Oh, yeah. And I'd love to get your thoughts on this. But I think for <laughs> me anyways, it's, uh, I live a pretty simple life. You know, I, for me, happiness is uh, uh, spending 25 bucks on a Korean uh, dinner with 15% tip or something. I know I'm kind of cheap, but <laughs> it's the key is uh, that, that for Come me. Come on, is, man, 20%. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm sorry. I guess uh, people are going to start hating on me at the company. Look at this guy. It's already four year old. He can't afford a 20%. Tip. I was like, dude, I'm just, anyways. Uh, yeah, anyways, people are going to find it. You know, what's funny about this, Santiago. It's like, whatever you do, people are going to hate you regardless. 
If you're in your yeah. 20s, you're too young. If you're in your 30s, you should focus on your mortgage and your kids if you have any. If you're in your 40s, you're kind of old. If you're in your 50s, you should like, you know, you're almost nearing retirement. 60s, it's too late. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like, okay. So that's the thing. Like people are going to hate you like me when I started this thing. People are hating me for a bunch of reasons. Like faculty professors would yell at me and go, you don't know shit about public schools. Just a guy. I'm just trying to share some information, dude. But anyways, the thing that makes me content is simple. Eating good food with good company. Uh, there's not much that makes me happy. <laughs> Going to <laughs> events and talking to positive people. So I travel a lot to conferences where I meet like a bunch of woke people and I just uh, pretend that no negative people exist in the world. Makes me feel great. Yeah. And then the third thing is just uh, spending time with family, man. Just uh, chilling at home and... And, and by family, for me, is just spending 30 minutes with them. Actually, I'm not the kind of guy who spends a weekend with my family because I love working. So that's that's uh, that's what makes me content. What about you? What's, yeah. uh, what's, your, what's your take on that? So I'm a musician. And so like being able to like sit down and play around, maybe play a song I already know or start writing some stuff. Uh, I like sitting down eating with my wife and with friends and family. I mean, everyone kind of has these same things anyways. I mean, I've been doing this podcast for like since 2016. And so like this is, yeah. So this, uh, like this episode is 239. Wow. So like, screw the seven people people, I said, we're listening to this. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's, I haven't been very good about promoting it anyway, so it's fine. But (laughs) the, like people tend to say similar things like that. Like, Oh, I, I love spending time with my family. I love spending time with my pets. People love their pets a lot. Uh, I love, you know, doing these things that I love. And so whether it's a, I mean, you say passions are bullshit, but like, you know, <laughs> people love doing their passions. So it's like, yeah, I, I love music. I love watching stuff with my wife and like having deep conversations with people. And so it's like, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, so this actually kind of works towards the next question that I ask, which is when will you be satisfied? Hmm. That's fun, man. Uh, let's, I'm down to have that. <laughs> One thing I want to add to the passion thing though, what I mean by passions are bullshit is the sense right. of, I think the conversations really like messed up right now in the sense of everyone needs to like monetize their passion. They need to like find something that fulfills them. And it's that one thing that they've been searching their whole life trying to find like some sort of soulmate, you know, that whole spiel on soulmates. Mm -hmm. Same thing. And I think that is messing up so many people because they're wasting so much of their human potential. And it frustrates me and frankly pisses me off like crazy. So let's say you're you're 23, you're super talented, you're really smart, but you're sitting at home because you can't find a passion. And I was just like, but you could be doing so many other things. Like, go, mm-hmm. go, like, make money. Go do some, donate to a charity you care about. Like, there's so many things you can do. But we're so afraid of making decisions. That's why I always like to say, I like to be uh, polarizing with that, by saying it's BS and stuff. When will I be satisfied? It depends on what. <laughs> but I think, I think there's definitely parts of my life that I've already, that I'm, like, fully satisfied with. So one of that is my standard of living. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much textbook definition of a minimalist despite the fact that I have a six-figure corporate job. Most of my money actually goes back into master talk and you know stuff people like coach and whatever. And the reason is just because um, I just don't value things. You know, And I, I know that's a very PR thing to say, and I know we're having an <laughs> informal conversation. Oh, you know, the only things in life that matter are experiences. My best friend wants to own a Ferrari. I have nothing against that. I probably want to be in his Ferrari once or twice. It's going to be cool. 
I just don't care about it personally. You know, I care about like uh, use it, spending 50 grand to like meet my heroes, stuff like that. It's not that I don't value money. I just want to invest it in other things. So uh, there's another quote I'll share with you. You probably know it actually. It's mm-hmm. by uh, Joshua Fields Milburn, who's the minimalist guy. And he says, mm-hmm. use things and uh, love people because the opposite never works. And I said, wow, that was like powerful as shit. Like that's really strong. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because if you do, I was like, how did you figure that out? That's all of the conversation. But for me, right. uh, satisfaction comes from different ways. So satisfaction with uh, who I am as a person, the identity, the thing I get to pursue or the, the lifestyle that I live, that's fully satisfied. I already have everything that I need. I'm pretty happy there. But in terms of ambition, that is a cup that never fills. Like it's a never end. It's like a bottomless cup but it's something I want to be bottomless, right? So I think the issue with a lot of successful people is what they do is they keep chasing the bigger thing in the sense of like, that will validate them. That will make them feel like, oh, I'm finally being loved and validated for everyone else. I don't have that BS. Me, it's more just about, I just want to be the, I just want to be the best for the sake of being the best. And then that's it. It's just something I want to do with my time. It's just the person I am. So that way I'll never be satisfied. I was in the third category, family relationships. I guess one thing that's been stressing, well, it's stressing me out, but something I, I haven't gotten yet that I will in the next 10, 15 years is like, you know, I want kids someday. You know, I want to have my own family. Mm-hmm. I want, and that's something I'm still trying to figure out internally. How do I balance Master Talk, all of these New York Times bestseller books, all that stuff that I want to do <laughs> with, with the family and kids, right? So that's something I'm still trying to figure out the answer to. But uh, that's one part I'm still not really missing, but rather looking forward to. So for now, I spend a lot yeah, of time yeah. with my mom and sister. Yeah, I actually like share with you in that a lot in that, like, I, I had this simultaneous, like, I'm always satisfied and it's it's like never enough. And so like, there's always something to be ambitious towards, but like, I'm fine where I'm at as well. So like, it's it's always both because if you if you have that like constant hunger, then I don't know, it feels like you're going to consume too much. But then if you, I guess if we're going with that metaphor, but like then if you're always satisfied, then you're never going to do anything. And so it's like, it's, it's the balance between the two. And so it's like, I, I can, I can stop whenever I want the smoker says, but, (laughs) but but like I can stop whenever I want and be like, I like this and be all right with it. Um, But then it's like, I could also enjoy more if I get to it too. So like both. And then. And totally with you, man. Like like something that I think is uh, super fascinating, the way you just mentioned that, is this idea that we don't, we don't spend enough time kind of enjoying what we have. And I think there's also an opportunity to figure out what that balance is for you. I always think the most honest people are often contradictions of themselves. So for example, (laughs) they would say something like, Family is important to me, but I, today I, I spent the last, what, 12 hours in meetings and I talked to my sister, what, seven minutes today and I talked to my mom 20, I just massaged her feet for a bit. That was my day with them. But in my head, I spend a lot of time with my family, right? So, so that's, isn't that bizarre? Like is Gary Vee's another example. That guy works like 27, seven, right? <laughs> he like takes loans out of hours of other days, but he feels really <laughs> connected to his family. So I think the idea is just finding or figuring out what that balance is for you. And if you really dig deep, 
it's probably or the decisions you make probably only make sense to you. Yeah. I think it's also like, how do you, how are you measuring that time? You know, cause it's like 30 minutes with your mom is like, might seem like a small amount of time, but like, it's, it's valuable time. It's like high quality time rather than like, oh, I like for some reason it's not good enough because it's like not a whole lot of time. Why does it have to be a large quantity of time right. for it to be good time? But, but, but that's that's different because that's because you're woke, right? You kind of look at it from a different <laughs> angles, right? That's a, I just call I call us I call people like us woke because it's funny. It's kind of like corny. So that's like, I just I just call us that. But it was but for people who are listening, they might just say. This guy's crazy. He's a workaholic. And I am. I love working. I just love it so much. Like, I just, I love doing meetings like this and, you know, just, just what I do. But, but the thing I want to drive is you're not supposed to look at someone like me or Santiago and go, you're doing it wrong. That's the wrong approach to life. You have to instead look at us and say, what do I like? And what do I don't like? And how can I implement what I like into what I'm doing? So I always get this a lot. They're like, well, what if I want to spend the weekend with my family? And I'll say, well, my answer is why only spending one day? Like uh, you're, you're misaligned with yourself. Just make sure you're on. Remember, this is kind of funny. I'll always trust the guy who looks at me and says, I want to be an investment banker on Wall Street to meet women and make a lot of money versus the guy who says, I want to be an investment banker to change the world. I'll say, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. I can't trust people like that. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so lastly, last question I ask, what advice do you have for people other than the cake or pie one, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, no, that was cool. But it's like, yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's cool. I, I would say the big thing for me, this, the quote that I live by that I think summarizes kind of everything is be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, it's totally cool. If you made it this far in the podcast, if you're still listening to me for some reason <laughs> talking, you probably want to do something different with your life. You probably want to do something interesting. So my advice is to learn the art of insanity. All of the decisions I've made in my 20s only make sense to the only person that matters, which is you. I started a YouTube channel when I was 22 on public speaking, communication tips. I started coaching CEOs on the topic, which is so bizarre, right? Then... You know, I built all this practice, whatever YouTube channel, but I'm talking to you on my mattress in my mother's basement. I'm a six-figure earner, yet own almost own nothing. I don't even have a car, right? I don't plan on leaving my mother's house for like five years until I'm like 30. How do any of these decisions make any sense? And we can make a whole laundry list. Like, you know, I karaoke in eight languages. I love Justin Bieber. I can dance mm -hmm. alone in my basement an hour a day. And the punchline I'm driving here is we're all insane. It's just most of us don't choose to communicate that insanity and it really hurts you in the long term. And the reason it does, and I usually don't add this there, but I add it now because it's such a great conversation, is because you figure out really early in life who actually likes you for you. The issue with successful people, everyone, and the one advantage you have right now for someone who might not be successful, who wants to be, is the people around you are people you can actually trust. You know, I was, I was watching this uh, Joe Rogan episode a while back this guy named David Cho, he's the guy who made uh, Facebook's kind of like, the, he like made like a mural, he's a very famous artist. And he was talking about Anthony Bourdain and how he could have prevented his death. And, and obviously when we look at celebrities, I kind of just say like, who cares? I mean, like they're famous people, they have all their problems, whatever. But then David started crying in the podcast. He started weeping for like five minutes and Joe couldn't get him to stop crying. 
And I just went, oh, this Anthony guy's actually real. Like these celebrities are actually real people. Yeah. The, the reason I'm saying all this to you, right? To everyone's listening to me yap about life <laughs> is because the reason you be insane is you can filter out all of the people who are superficially liking you versus the people who actually like you. So when I started talking about my love for Justin Bieber and karaoke and all this nonsense, guess what? 98% of the people around me kind of just said, you know what, Brendan, that party on Friday, yeah, don't come. Or that thing, ah, you know, don't come to that thing. Or, and it was really, it sucked in the short term. But the other 2% were like, I don't really care if you listen to Justin or just be happy, dude, like whatever. Same thing with YouTube. I don't really care if it's successful or not. Just be happy, dude, whatever. It's the same thing, right? So we would all hang up. What surprised me the most is out of the thousands of people I've met in my life, I've only met eight people like that, that actually just care about me, which is outside of my family, which is super surprising. It's so weird. Hmm. And the advantage is as master becomes more successful, as people ask me for my time or my coaching, all that stuff, and all this stuff starts to pile up. Well, I know who to talk to. I know the people who actually care about me so I can withstand that crazy shock that's coming my way. That's my point to all of you. Being more insane works to your advantage in a lot of ways that you might not see because it allows you to be who you truly are in the weirdest possible way so you can filter out the people that matter and only stick to them and enjoy the ride. Because if you don't do that, you'll regret it. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. Kind of since I'm out of the usual questions and now we can just talk like real people uh, <laughs> why did you reach out to me <laughs> oh I, i'm just a hustler dude like i just want to <laughs> be on as many shows as possible and i just love i just love conversation it's the funnest way for me to promote so that's why i reached out i, I think one of one of the pieces of my personal brand that i don't really talk about is i want to be one of the people even if i have a very fancy suit on in my videos you know, for people who listen to me on podcasts, I always want to be that person who like never forgets where they come from. So these podcasts always are always a constant reminder of that where I can just sit on my mattress and just have a conversation. That's why I reached out. That's all. And you just happened to yeah, say yeah. yes. I kind of just said, yeah, sure, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because I mean, like I'm, I'm nothing, but like it's... You're not nothing. You're, <laughs> you're, you're way ahead of I am in content creation. Well, yeah, but like the, the difference is though is that like... I guess how you measure success because it's a funny thing that like I've been doing a lot more of these remote ones and I'm I'm talking to like a wide variety of people and so like uh more so I I talk to a lot of musicians because it's like the people that I know and stuff like that but then after doing like the the matchmaker.fm thing I'm talking to a lot more like entrepreneurship type people and I I also kind of had this like judgment in my head that like oh man I feel like entrepreneurship and business people are going to be like super boring people. Oh, a lot and of like, them are. That's a totally yeah. right assumption to make, dude. <laughs> but like, I was like, all right, well, some people are, are asking and like, you know, I'll, I'll see what's up. And, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but like one of the first ones was not fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, dude, but like it, it wasn't. So, you know, I guess he would know who he is, but I don't think he's listening anyway. So, <laughs> uh, but it's like, all right, well, maybe, maybe these entrepreneurship people are like kind of boring, uh, or don't want to engage in a certain way. But as I got more people that are kind of 
realer per se because it's it's this weird hustle that i mean yeah you you said hustle but it's like this weird hustle that's just like i gotta do all the stuff and i I, if as long as i have all my stuff prepared and all that stuff then like it it doesn't matter if i'm actually engaging with the content that people are trying to make it's just like i i'm here to do my thing and it's just another notch on my belt and so it's like (laughs) but that's very different definitions of hustle that's garbage hustle right people are just like oh i just need to do a thousand no no like you need to be thoughtful about the guy you're speaking to. Like why have a half-assed conversation? Your personal brand would just get hit for that anyway. So, sure, yeah. but it it is just like I don't know. I and I do tell people like, oh yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this since 2016, and people are like, whoa, like 2016. Like you got in the podcast like early, and I, I mean, I was listening to podcasts in like 20. 12 or something like when i was in high school and stuff it's like man i really love like all this stuff that i'm getting and it was like kind of a long-term goal for me it's like i might eventually want to start a podcast and so it's it's kind of funny now that like it's covid and everyone wants to start up like their own podcast everyone's like whoa you've been doing podcasts for so long it's like nah, i don't know about that but (laughs) but people like kind of measure my podcast as like oh this is a successful thing because you've been doing it for so long but just because just because you're doing it for so long doesn't mean that it's successful like i still my numbers are very small and that's probably my fault too because i haven't put in like a money investment so it's like it's it's understandable as to why it hasn't reached more people but it's like i haven't paid for ads yet because i've been investing my money in things that i care about a little bit more instead of getting into facebook because fuck facebook (laughs) but now now i might start giving money to facebook because like yeah i I do want to see a return on this so like it's it's i understand i'm well aware about like all right well i've been doing this show for so long but like only so many people listen to it but like that's my fault and i'm okay with that (laughs) of course of course yeah, like my approach but, is simple. I didn't really care if yeah. two people were watching or 200. I just wanted to help as many people and add as much value as I can before I travel again. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It's like, and I don't think I'm successful yet. I don't know at what point I'm going to be like, oh, did I do it? I guess I did it. But <laughs> like, I mean, again, I'm a musician. And so I was like, this stuff isn't going to it's very unlikely to pay off. And so like, I'm, I'm hedging my bets kind of like you, what you were saying. It's like playing for the worst because like already I made a bad decision. I have a master's degree in music composition. That was a bad decision, but like, I'm still doing this thing. But <laughs> so like, I know that it's risky, but like, I don't know. I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you, I, I guess for, for you, like, I don't know. You're, on the weird flip side of that, where it's just like, you have this like high paying job, but like now you're doing this other thing that like is also small. And so you, I feel like, well, so Chris Ryan talks about how, I don't know if you listen to, uh, uh, Chris Ryan wrote a book called sex at dawn and then another one called civilized to death. And he's kind of critiquing society in general in the second one, but he, he, constantly brings up the point that like the wealthiest like top people are not any happier because they're wealthy and so it's like it it plateaus at a certain point and then it's like it doesn't matter how much more money you make you're not going to be any happier because the world like isn't going to fulfill you in the way that society has told you it will and so it's like i 
the more people that I've been talking to, the more that I'm like, all right, well, I'm not successful in like society's sense. Like I don't have all the big numbers and all the stuff. I I'm, I'm not broke, but I, like, I don't have the money to like buy the stuff that I want to like mix the stuff that I want to happen with my music. But like, I don't know, like success is, is different for different people. And so it's like, I'm all right. <laughs> Sorry to go on that rant, but yeah. <laughs> no, dude, I, I completely agree. I think there's different ways of looking at it. That's why I think you're right in the sense that most of those entrepreneur business people are boring. You know, we <laughs> focus on all the numbers. I kind of pretend to for the sake of it. And obviously some of that stuff I do care about, but I think the way of it is more about, think, like my best friend's a rapper, which I probably never said on the show. But the, <laughs> the reason that matters is, is this, like, what do you want? Like for me... What's the most important thing in my life is when I die, I live forever. And by living forever, for me, it just ended up being master talk. I want the information to live forever. So because of that, just because that's something I wanted in the same way you might want sushi for lunch tomorrow or something, right? For me, it was like, that's what I wanted. So I just said, okay. And I also wanted to be wealthy. I I thought initially it was going to be like, oh, I need to make a million a year because I just came from poverty. So I didn't know, you know, we would stem from laps. I didn't know 70 grand was going to like cover everything, which I was pretty surprised <laughs> yeah. to find out. I didn't know. Because remember, my mom would always complain or worry about money, but if the grocery's like a hundred bucks, like it wasn't nothing. It's just, you know, poverty mindset. But anyways, then when I started making money, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I'd probably do something else. Obviously money's great. I love money. It's not that I have anything against it. <laughs> but I kind of just said, okay, let me make more of it. But... Let me also do something else. And then Master Talk, you know, I've, I've lost so much money on Master Talk, but it's a lot of fun. Like, it's let's do it. <laughs> so it's all about just making decisions that make sense to you, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a it's a similar thing. I mean, <laughs> I guess in a weird way, it's like, oh, like we we both came from nothing. Uh, I'm an immigrant from Venezuela. You you said I was like, oh, I'm being racist, but like Mexican, but yeah, yeah, you're close enough. Yeah, close enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like, I'm an immigrant from Venezuela, and so it's like it's a similar thing growing up poor and all that stuff. But like the difference between you and me, it's like you you reach the threshold of like, all right, I'm no longer poor, but. <laughs> I'm still poor and that's fine. So I'm working on it, but like, it's, it is kind of like, yeah, once, once you hit that goal and I feel like that's, that's the, uh, I mean, Joker memes, but like, oh, what, what will the dog do once it catches the car? And it's like so many of, so many of these business type people are like, yeah, I'm going to make a million a year. And then like, once they get a million a year, it's like, I don't know what. <laughs> Dude, same thing in your field, right? Just to add to that conversation, add an extra layer. I want to be famous. I want a triple platinum label. I want all this stuff. But then what do you do after that? Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> right. And that's and that's why like my my vision of success isn't like, oh, have like a million like album sales or something. People don't buy albums anymore, anyways. But like it's it's more like I want to have enough success to where it doesn't matter what I want to do musically. I can just do it. And that is kind of a high threshold because it's like I want to like I again, I have a master's in music composition. So it's like hiring an orchestra is very expensive. So like I, I know it's a high threshold, but like, you know, I know that I can work my way up there somehow. But it's like it's it's scary. I don't know. But. 
at the same time, it's like, hey, you want to give me a loan of like ten thousand dollars? I'll do this. <laughs> but like, I I haven't tried that route yet. But we'll we'll see. <laughs> I don't know how. And that's the thing. It's like you you kind of mentioned like the systemic things that keep people like down maybe yeah 30 years ago someone like me or someone like you wouldn't have been able to because of those barriers in the way but like there's still barriers but it's maybe it's harder to identify them because we're in, we're in it oh yeah <laughs> like just to push on that like now there's literally no excuse in my opinion so let's say you want to make 10 grand <laughs> the way i would think about it. it it only depends how badly you want it obviously if you don't want it as badly probably doesn't bring you that much happiness you probably should do something else but if that's something you mm -hmm. want I would just argue Uber for a couple more hours, do Uber Eats, you know, 15 bucks an hour, you, you know, make money on the weekend instead of like, you know, spending an hour or two hours, you know, cutting maybe the podcast down an hour, Ubering more or like side hustle, mm -hmm. go to a garage sale, flip a bunch of shit, make 10 grand. Like that's not impossible. Mm -hmm. It's just, you don't want mm -hmm. it bad enough to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. In the same way, yeah, sure. I like money. Am I willing to Uber an extra couple of hours to make an extra couple of hundred bucks? No, I'm not willing to do that. I'd rather do this. So it's just about picking sure. what you want and how badly you want. Yeah, but that's a little different for you because you like a hundred bucks to you is very different than a hundred bucks to me. Oh yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like for you, like if I was, cause I wasn't poor too long ago, right? When I was 19, <laughs> sure, sure. when I was 19, 20, I, could, I had like 15 bucks in my bank account, like full transparency, mm. right? Like I had nothing, right? It's only when I started corporate, like literally last year, that's when I started making money. I was like, wow. What happened? <laughs> it's like, what happened to yeah, my yeah, lifestyle? Yeah. I can actually go spend 25 bucks on a meal. Like, this is crazy. Right? It's yeah, insane. Yeah. But before that, it wasn't the case. But if I, but since I was focused on my corporate career, that was my direction. I wasn't Ubering on the side because I was making money for my internship and then I would pay my tuition with this. I'd always stay broke all the time. Mm -hmm. But for your education's <laughs> done. I would just Uber like 16 hours a day if that's what I wanted to do. If I don't need to sure, do that. Sure, sure. Yeah. Time, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that that's it. That is a funny thought. How have you adjusted from going from like nothing so quickly into just like, I, I can just do what I want. And the other nice part is that like, you're already used to not spending anything. And so it's like, I don't, I don't know what to do with all this. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's a great question. I think it's this idea of prioritization. One thing I wanted to say, I'm not a multimillionaire or anything like that. I just do like well for myself. Like, you know, that, that income level that we're, you know, happy to, you know, the number, that's the number I'm at. Like it's not, a, yeah, yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge, I'm not super rich, but I think. And, and that's not what I'm. Right. Imposing on you. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. No worries. I wasn't. I wasn't taking it that way. Uh, <laughs> but the point I want to drive is, it's all about what you value. So what other people value is, you know, they might value like dumb stuff that society tells me about, like the new iPhone or like spend buy a TV or something. What I value the most, the one, the number one thing I want to buy with my money, besides Master Talk investments, is my time. I want to buy back my time. So what I realized is I knew I could live on 50 or 40 grand a year, especially if I stay in my mother's basement. And if I do that for 40 years, okay, if we use the Kobe Bryant analogy, let's assume I die in 20. So what, what is that, 50 times 20? So 50 grand times 20 is a million. So if I make a million mm. bucks, I can just quit and spend all my time doing master talk, right? Or if I make something that ends up turning into a million, I, can, I never have to work for the rest of my life. So because of that, I just spend money on nothing. I just accumulate cash. Pile, 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 pile. And so I can just do podcasts, have fun, and and then over time, yeah, yeah. Uh, do that. So it's all about what you value, right? And what you're mm -hmm. willing to pay up. Because obviously, if you have a high-paying job, there's sacrifice. Like last Sunday, I was working until 3 a.m. That's life. Yeah. 
like there's always a price to everything we seem to kind of forget that but yeah 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 well it's it's also a funny thing because it's like what you were saying about culture is that like some people who are born into wealth and stuff, they're like, Oh, well, how do I not like have all of these groceries in my fridge and like eat, you know, like a King every night or something. But it's like, yeah, well you, you lived with that for all your life. And then like, suddenly you, you don't have it. Then it's like, Whoa, living is expensive. <laughs> right. Like, like here's a fun way of thinking about this. So life is a lot like poker. Right, you're given a hand, everyone's got their hand, right? And you can't change the cards, right? So you could have a divorced mother, um, a childhood sexual abuse, um, you know, poor family, or you could have rich family, divorced father, uh, father cheats on mother. You know, everyone's got their own cards, but the mistake that people make is they're trying to look at everyone else's cards. Yeah. Since we're all in the poker, I was like, what is Santiago have over there? Let me take a look there. What's he got there? He's got like a guitar there. He's got his laptop, his computer. Like, let me look at what his mm -hmm. card. So they go, this person has the iPhone card, right? And I want an iPhone. I want that card. So I'm going to waste some of my decks. But what they don't do is they don't understand the hand that they're given. And they don't go, okay, well, if my father's an alcoholic, which is the case for me, and but I have a really positive mother, and a pretty cool silster. Okay, I got one bad seat in the family. Not too bad. This is pretty good. Okay, I grew up in poverty, but I'm still the top 2% of humanity. I mean, I live in Canada. It's pretty good. So then I realized the best card of my hand was a Canadian passport. So ever since that day, I stopped complaining. I haven't complained in five years about anything. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just about understanding your deck. It's just no people just noob other people's cards and they don't focus on their own. Yeah. Kind of a, a just a genuine curiosity thing. How does Canada feel about having this trash fire right underneath it? <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly the wrong person to ask. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm very good at canceling out noise. So in the sense of like, <laughs> like I laugh, I chuckle. I mean, I was in LA a couple of months ago for COVID hit. So I come to the US a lot. So I kind of just say, and this is something that's very unique to me. I don't pay attention to things that don't drive results for what I want in my life. So that's why I never watch the news. Anyone who watches the news right now is listening to me or in our discussion right now. You're making the mistake. Don't watch the news. It just funnels you with a bunch of negativity you don't need. Because every, every news, as you know, every news outlet has an agenda, right? So they're just feeding you that agenda. That's one part. Uh, another part is just uh, I try and avoid negativity as much as possible. So, so essentially what I do, instead of worrying about how bad the U.S. is, kind of just laugh mm. about it and just talk about it. This is a great quote, I think, summarizes it. I, I, I was talking to this guy from Hong Kong and his grandmother said that quote. And I was like, wow, like your grandmother's other super wise. She's reading a lot of quote books. She said the following, small people talk about other people. Medium people talk about, uh, uh, talk about things and great people talk about ideas. And I said, ooh, that's cool. I was sending them to my friends who were like, 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 whoa. Yeah. That was pretty mind blowing. So so I guess my 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 10 4 on this, or I guess my takeaway is uh I don't mm -hmm. really care. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh no, and I I've kind of tried a different route with that as well, which is uh kind of the sadder route of it, which is like oh. it uh, like I am powerless to do anything about it. <laughs> and so like uh I'm an immigrant, so like I'm I can't vote. And so like what use do I have in like 
taking all of this in if like I'm not gonna like I can I can tell people like hey these are problems and like you should do something about it but like that's that's the least I can or that's the most I can do actually because I can't vote and so like I I can't even like you know sign petitions because it's like dishonest because I'm not like a citizen or whatever but it's like and, and so it's like I I have my like moral barriers that I'm like well I won't do voter fraud. I won't like lie to people. And so like, eh, like I see the trash fire and I'm like, yeah, it sure is. Mm. And like, it's not helping me to like take in more of it. And it's not making me a better or worse person. I think it's just making me a sadder person to like try and take in all this stuff and be like, yeah, yep, yeah. the world sure, sure sucks and I can't do anything about it because it's like the more powerless you feel about stuff, like the more depressed you're going to become because it's like, yeah, it does seem like everything is against me, but like, I don't know, it's not going to help. So <laughs> no, I love that. And, and one thing that came up to me as we were talking, so I was on the show today called the immigrant dilemma. And she was basically mm. the, the podcast is about this whole idea of how do you solve for immigrant problems? So let's say um, uh, the the conversations that you have comparing traditional uh, Venezuelan values with American modern values. How do you kind of clash the two? How do you uh, dis- fight disputes and all that stuff? Super fascinating. But I think that drives an important point to what you were mentioning just now about being an immigrant. So she probably looked at that same lens and said, oh, maybe we could just make a podcast around and solve the problem. Whereas most people, what they do is they, or solve some sort, something, like just me with master talk probably takes the 90% of my life. Right. So like if I spend even 20% of my life thinking about something I can't solve back to what you were saying about being powerless and being more depressed, then I won't solve anything and I'll die a loser, which in my opinion means not doing something great. Somebody else has a different definition of loser for me. It's doing, not doing something great for me personally, not for everybody. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. That actually kind of makes me think of the the culture thing as well because it's something that I feel like maybe my family might like look down upon me for is that like I don't really value like Venezuelan culture because like I don't value any culture because mm. it's like it's just uh I think there was like a meme that said that like tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. And it's like, whoa, yeah, because it's like I don't I don't have any attachment to those things. Like, in fact, like Venezuela is also like another trash fire. It's like it's not going to help me to like worry about Venezuela right now. And so it's like it's I mean, yeah. And it sucks that like people there are suffering. I'm not like I'm not being callous to the to that suffering. But it is like. I don't know, like the there's a weird like homophobia in Hispanic culture that it that stems from Catholicism. And like, I don't I don't need that. Why would I hold on to that? So it's like, cool, let go of that tradition. And it's like even just Catholicism in general, like I'm I'm an atheist or at least the, the modern term of that. But like, I don't believe in God. And so it's like, why would I hold on to the Catholicism part of the culture? And so it's like, I, there's things about Venezuelan culture that I like. And so like stuff about the work ethic and stuff about like how to make food in a certain way. It's like, I love Venezuelan food and I'll enjoy that. But like, I'll, I'll leave the homophobia and stuff at the door and just like, you know, and so we can do that with, with anything else too. It's like, I, I've grown up in the U S 
pretty much all of my life. And so it's like, yeah, there's, there's good stuff about American culture, about like, you know, working hard and, you know, believing that like you can do whatever you want. And there's some asterisks on that, but like, (laughs) but like that, that is some good motivating stuff to take, but like all of the other like racism involved in American culture, in American culture, we don't need to hold on to that, and so let's just not. <laughs> I, I agree with you, dude, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because, yeah, and and maybe I like what you're saying about the like you can solve things by just solving small problems, and I don't know if like I'm doing anything about that. I guess I, I it does make me think like what are the small problems in just the world in general that I could try to solve? And I'm not sure, but I know what I am doing. And that is like, I'm sitting down with people and I'm talking to them. I'm having deep conversations about this and everyone, at least around me, but other people in the world are having these different perspectives and talking about them. And so it's like, whatever kind of notch I'm making in the greater wall that is this like behemoth of culture, I'm at least doing something to that. And so like, yeah, let's have more deep conversations about this. (laughs) Dude, I'm with you, man. Like I think one way of summarizing your thoughts there that I really enjoyed, by the way, is this idea that you don't really need to solve a problem if you don't want to. I, I think like back to your question when you asked me about good behavior, that's why for me, it's just like, as long as you're a good person and you're respectful and you don't want to tear other people's buildings down, I don't really see an issue with that. I just find that boring personally. This is a great show that I'd recommend. I'd love for you to watch. I, I'm not sure if you have. It'd be interesting if you did. It's called Death Note. Have you ever watched that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you watched Death Note too. Awesome. Okay, so cool. So Death Note is basically <laughs> the inspiration for my life. Yeah, because hmm. yeah, I resonate a lot with the main character. For those who haven't listened to this, because I know it's a conversation people are listening, so feel, feel free to check out Death Note. But the idea is, is I resonate a lot with the protagonist, like Yagami, in the sense that he, he has everything, but he decides to go on this killing spree to kill a bunch of bad people in the world. Why? Because he was bored. <laughs> right? I find that fascinating. Well, yeah, but he also did have a, a goal, which is like, oh, what if I could just, like, make the world just like change the world but like also like maybe it, at some point become emperor of the whole world maybe yes he that, did have a god nice complex so, yeah <laughs> but i think that the core and feel free to comment on this because <laughs> i love your thoughts i always love talking about death note people that have watched death and it's always fun because we always have different opinions on things but i think the way i see it is like i think the number one reason he did it was because he was bored he was like, why be the best student in Japan? Why work as a, the police force and be the director when I could be the god of the world? It's more interesting. It's more fun. Why Why coach people mm-hmm. right on public speaking in university when I can coach the whole world on public speaking? Isn't that more entertaining? <laughs> Isn't that more fun? Imagine I could like, talk to Gary Vaynerchuk. I can be like, best friends mm-hmm. with them. Isn't that more fascinating? So most people don't have that tick. Right? But uh, for the people who do, it's, it's hard to get rid of. For sure. But anyways, sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Uh, and I think that, well, another thing is that, like, he he was only capable of being, like, you know, best student in Japan. And it's like it almost like he had reached the ceiling of, like, his achievements at that point. And then, like, 
hey, look, what about a book that gives you unfathomable power? And he's like, all right, well, now now I can fulfill a greater potential. And in some ways he squandered it by like betraying his own rules. And so like, I think that was probably his downfall anyways. But like the the difference was is that like he reached a ceiling and was like, "Ah, I could be doing so much more, but like I, he sort of was a a big fish in a little pond. It was like, ah, what more can I do? And then, yeah, at some point he like, Hey, look, here's, here's a unfathomable power. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. I think that it is weird having, this much ambition like i don't know i don't even know like the limits of what i like am capable of i just know that like the things that i know what is stopping me right now and maybe i don't know all of the things that are stopping me i'm sure i'm in my way a whole lot too but like the i guess like what do I do with this? And for you, it, it does seem that like, all right, well, I have, I have achieved certain goals. And so now I, you like honed in on it. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but a, a separate train of thought that kind of came up as you were, you quote a lot of like inspirational type quotes or like things that, that like make you think differently about stuff. And it kind of makes me justify my role as like a musician and poet or whatever, because it's like, I feel like, you know, no matter who you are, you could be like a powerful CEO or you could be like someone at the bottom and hear like a, a, interesting turn of phrase like oh using things and loving people like oh wow that's such a powerful phrase and it's like that's just arranging words in a pretty way and it's like i enjoy arranging words in a pretty way so like i'm glad that like at least someone is going to value that and it is it doesn't matter who is like listening to it at I know that if I arrange words in a pretty way like someone's going to find it interesting so that's neat <laughs> yeah, absolutely like, I think a good way of thinking about this is life is like a game of choices. You pick whatever choices you want, and the result of the game entirely depends on your perception of those choices, right? So, like, if if you chose something, but you didn't actually make that choice, even if it was good for you, you're going to say, this is crap. Like, I just wanted my poetry to, like, be uh, seen by 10 people. But if your goal was to hit a million, you hit 10, well, you're going to be really happy. It's all about this relative thing. I'll give you an example of super random that just came to my mind. So <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts, my favorite podcast of all time, it's called The School of Greatness. It's a guy named Lewis who does the show. Hmm. And he interviewed Scooter Braun once. And for those who don't know, Scooter Braun is Justin Bieber's talent manager. And he was hmm. explaining, he was, he, he was talking about the first two artists he signed to his label. So the first one was Justin. I mean, it's crazy. This, the story is insane. Scooter is a really interesting character. He like flies to Canada, convinces his mother when Justin is like 12, that he's going to be the biggest star and takes her son back to the States. What is this? It's crazy. I was like, yeah. like, yeah, sure. Take the kid. What the, what the, what the, <laughs> he bets all of his savings, like all of his savings on Justin. It's crazy. But what he found fascinating, what he talked about that fascinated me is his other artist that he signed. That was just, was really famous also back in the day. Anyway, it's called Asher Roth. 
So Asher Roth, I think I mentioned this because you're a musician. I think that's why it came subconsciously in my head, <laughs> kind of like without my own doing. But anyway, and what was fascinating is Asher hated his life because he told Scooter that he just wanted to be a small thing. Like he didn't want to be, he never wanted to be a superstar. So Justin at a very young age wanted to be famous. Like he said, he wanted to be the biggest thing ever. I don't know if he's happy today or not, but he got the result he wanted. But in Ash's case, he didn't want to be a big star. He just, you know, wanted to get, you know, sing songs, play it small, but he became huge. Mm-hmm. And it led to his downfall because he hated it. He had a song called I Love College and it blew up on YouTube. But the idea is simple is, even if both of those people had passions for music, they made complete or wanted completely different things. So I don't think it's wrong that you want to make poetry for 10 people. I just want to go for the fences. And part of that could be a lack of my own free will. Maybe I want that for status. Some part of that is ego. I'm fully w- willing to acknowledge that. But I think for me, it's just about like seeing the thing that excites me the most. And for me, the thing that excites me the most, if I think back to all the moments in my life, more than the women I've dated, I mean, I've liked in my life, more than the family I spent time with, more than the friends I hang out with, the number one thing that gave me the most pleasure in my life was winning case competitions. I know this is bizarre, mm-hmm. but it makes no sense. It was that thrill. Like I was at, I remember it was, it was uh, New Year's Eve. It's like m- midnight or something, it was 1 a.m. And Kevin looks at me, Kevin was like my partner in crime, this whole thing. He looks at me, he's like, happy new year. And I looked at it and I said, shut up and keep working. And I loved it. I just loved saying that. And we won and crushed everyone three days later at the competition. But I think what was magical is like, I just loved that fire of being the best school. Being, I'm just a really competitive guy. I just loved it. And when case was came to an end and it was over, I lost the game. Mm. I had no more game left. And Master Talk, and, and I say this a lot in podcasts in the sense that the person who needs Master Talk the most it's not the people who watch my videos. It's me. I, if yeah. somebody offered me $5 million to buy my channel, straight up, I would say no. Mm-hmm. I would say no, like 100%. Maybe if it was more, maybe I'd have a difference. At 5 million, I would say no, 100%. <laughs> and the reason mm-hmm. is because what do I do after? Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Do I not like go on podcasts anymore? Like what happens? It, it would drive yeah. me crazy. I just can't sell it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just a random thought but i think the point of yeah, driving yeah. is it's okay whatever drives your yeah. happiness go for it dude i think that's uh that's yeah my yeah thinking. that is uh i guess final thought uh i don't know it's like getting kind of late for you anyways <laughs> but <okay>. the, <laughs> um Fun. is that like i kind of admire the i mean yeah you're honest in saying that it's like it is a bit of ego but like i kind of admire the level of like honest ego because as a musician, I like fluctuate way back and forth to like, you know, I'll make something and be like, this is brilliant. Why am I not more famous than Taylor Swift right now? And then there's other times where I'm like, this is shit. I made a horrible mistake doing music for my life. What am I doing? I've wasted all of this time and money. This is stupid. And I'm like vacillating between the two constantly. And it's like, it is kind of nice to like be able to go like, you know, I think my stuff is good and just being confident enough in that to be able to just go like, no, I'm going to put this out to the world because the world needs me to do it. And like, that's like, I don't know. I don't want to like make you like seem like this egomaniac, but like, Mm -hmm. it is kind of, you do kind of need something like that to be able to do something like that because there is, there is part of me that is just like the world needs my next album because people don't have 
this thing right now. And then the other part of me is like, what the hell? Like people don't listen to this stuff. Like, and so like it, I'm vacillating wildly between the two. So maybe, maybe I, I can lie to myself a little bit and be like, no, let's just go for it. <laughs> I think a better way of thinking about this and is like, cause, cause I struggle with that too. Right. Is more about, mm. is there a better thing I should be doing? Right. So for example, yeah. If, if you're, you know, making an album, but you're the world's best jazz violinist, why aren't you touring? Like, and the reason you know this, I call this competition's clarity. You you look at it and you're like, these guys are all garbage. This is only when I started Master Talk. A lot of people are like, this guy doesn't even have a master's in communication. I don't even have a master's in degree, right? I have yeah, a bachelor's. Yeah. But when I looked at all the other speech coaches on the planet, I was like, these guys are terrible. I had 10 ideas. I want to be a professional gamer. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I wanted to, uh, what was the other thing I wanted to do? Oh, career coach. I had a bunch of other ideas. But like Master Talk, I got really excited because I was like, oh, I'm good. Because like, of my competitiveness. I was like, yeah. oh, I can like crush all these people and like make a difference, but also crush all these people. Right? So it's just more <laughs> fun, but like crush, like crush the like fun. Like, whoa, you can see my eyes like light up there. Same thing mm-hmm. with you. For you, not the competition part, because maybe that's not your style, but you could do something like, well, is there something else? Is there another way I should be spending my time relative to what everyone else is doing? But if you're looking at your album, you're like, no, I've listened to all the other things in my genre. That's all like dog shit. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm probably on to something. And obviously validation helps too, to a certain extent. And I use that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. We all do. We all need it. Absolutely. <laughs> Just varying degrees. That's all. Yeah. Brendan, thank you so much for doing this with me. Where can we find you and your things? Of course. For for some reason, you still want to learn, hear me talk more. <laughs> I wouldn't really understand. But if that is the case, uh, check out my YouTube channel, Master Talk in One Word. If you want to send me a message on Instagram and start talk, I'm always happy to discuss. That's Master Your Talk on IG. Awesome. Yeah. And honestly, well, like we've been talking about like you and your stuff, but like, at least master talk, if they want to hear you talk more, it is going to help them at least. It's it's not just like, oh, here's just more of Brendan. No, it's like, it's actually like get better at things, you know? I'm glad, I'm glad you think that way. So I needed that validation. <laughs> you can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. Bloom is available now, streaming everywhere. Put it on in the background or show it to your friends so you can all enjoy it together. You can also buy it on Bandcamp and get bonus content so you can sit alone in the dark with your headphones on and listen to the album in its entirety while reading and looking at the bonus content. I also make music with PowerCycle, an experimental electronic trio. Our first completely improvised album, Too Many Damn Cables, is streaming everywhere. To support this podcast, leave reviews, comments, tell your friends about it, and buy my music, because by supporting me, you're supporting the podcast. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are, love never fails, it's going to be okay, I might be wrong. <laughs>